0: Hello to everybody trying to figure out which side are you on. It's beautiful, anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one.
1: I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know
0: you. And you'll
1: get to know me.
0: Hi, everybody. It's Chris. Here's a stupid question. How you doing? How you feeling out there? Everybody who listens to this show. I know the answer. Uh, Stressed, scared, bored, full of confusion. As all of us are, we're in it together. And uh, man, weird times, weird times. But uh, I gotta say, I, I say it all the time. But man, bringing conversations out there, human conversations. I really hope more than ever, just listening to other people talk makes you feel a little bit more like you're able to go outside and eavesdrop on a conversation as if you're in a public place like we used to be allowed to go to. I'm doing well. My family's doing well. I had mentioned that we fled New York um, last week and, and a bunch of people reached out and, and and wished us luck and said they hope we're safe. We are. Thank you guys all for your concern. I do want to say I, I got out um you know, before before the news started really hitting, started hitting, uh, Elmhurst Hospital, which you may have read about. That's in my old neighborhood. That's actually about two avenues from my house, about a five minute walk from my from my apartment. So much love to my neighbors in Queens, and I hope everybody staying safe, being smart, doing the right thing. All right, escapism. Get to leave this world of worry via human conversation, we get to take an hour, think about something else. Now, sometimes we do episodes where I like, t- me and Jared connect and I go, okay, and, and I'm gonna do it at this time and we get on the computer at the same time and we chat and he screens the calls. Sometimes I've just been going, you know what, it's 10 o'clock at night, my baby's asleep, my wife is reading a book, I'm just gonna go do a call. And I do them by myself, with no screening. And I have found that uh, they they can, They're turning out a little different. A, because no screaming there, no screening rather, no screaming, that's where all our heads are at, the Freudian slips, I'm just bringing up screaming. There's no screening. So it means they're just a little more freewheeling. But also late at night, I find that I'm a little more laid back. The callers are in a different headspace. I'm doing it at home, so I'm not in the studio. And I find that these really feel like conversations I might be having if I just was sitting in a booth at a bar at the person. I was having a ginger ale and they were having their favorite alcoholic beverage. This one, me and this guy just sort of got talking about his job and we got into the topic of unions. I've always been impressed by unions in America. I've always felt like they were vitally important. I've always felt like anytime there's a conflict where union workers are put upon, I tend to take their side first as uh, the information comes out. I I don't know. I've just always had a very strong love of unions. I think maybe just because I grew up where I did, a lot of people were union members, a lot of people working class, whatever it is. We just sort of got into it. Talk about what it's like to be in a union, what makes a union strong, what value money puts on people in the society. Do you think a class war is going to come about? And uh, I barely remember it, probably did this about 11 p.m. I had been hanging out with the kid all day. Usually I'm sound asleep by 11 p.m. these days, so I might say some crazy stuff, I don't know. Anyway, I hope everybody's safe. Hope everybody's healthy, and I hope you get a little bit of escapism out of this call.
1: Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host.
0: Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me?
1: I sure can. Um, Honestly, I uh, really did not expect to get through, so... Um, um, yeah, I, put out, I put out the call
0: prompt like an hour and a half music. ago. Yeah, now that I'm doing these at home, I decided, hey, let's do two in a night. Let's get crazy. Let's really live. It's almost midnight where I am. Nice.
1: Yeah, it's about uh, 11 here. I know, maybe 10. Look at that.
0: All right. I got a no general idea of your time zone. Okay.
1: Maybe that's too much information. Maybe,
0: you know, unless you live out in the ocean. People
1: are going to find you.
0: Unless you live in the ocean. <laughs> now I know you might be on mountain top. Right. Now what's up? What do you want to talk about?
1: Uh, I don't know. I, Jeez, uh, you know, it's weird. I, I've heard your podcast so many times and like, thought about what I would say. But like I said, didn't really expect you to answer. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, let's start with all this craziness going on. Yeah, everybody's at home. I am currently not able to isolate myself.
0: Why not? Uh,
1: so I my, my employment right now is kind of, I have i uh, I'm a member of a union, a skilled trade. But I was already laid off before all this started happening. And uh, I've been doing like Grubhub and DoorDash and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I've just been doing that still, like, you know, trying to make ends meet being really safe about it, you know, using hand sanitizers, stuff like that, making sure that I'm not like, I don't know, being risky or anything like that, exposing people to any unnecessary risk.
0: Yeah, but you're still going uh, door to door. That must be nerve wracking, man.
1: It's, I don't know, I guess I don't feel that nervous about it. Um, There's a lot of like no contact deliveries, you know, like...
0: Drop it at the front and, door. And run away.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah, just text and be like, "Okay, I'm here. Uh, it's on the porch. Got to go." Wow. Um, dude. And you know, wash my hands as much as I can.
0: Now, it's funny because they they said and and before all this, I mean, obviously the bottom has fallen out, but everybody's saying, "Oh man, the unemployment rate—it's so low; it's never been better." But I will say, and you tell right. me from the inside. I know so many people where, yeah, there's more jobs, but it's the gig economy. And like you said, right. are these jobs, like you're you're saying, like, yeah, I'm putting together these things just to kind of get by between my union gigs. Like, are these jobs, jobs that actually allow people to keep their head above water? And then you get caught in a loop where now you're still, you, you need to do it because you got to pay the goddamn rent. And you got to walk right. up to people's doors when there's a crazy plague happening. That's, uh, that's nuts. I don't like that.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's unsettling, and there's there's so little security in it too. Um, you know, you're you fend for yourself. You know, there's no insurance, there's no you know nothing like that. Like, um, I mean, you can make a decent wage doing it, but like you got to hustle. You know, if my vehicle breaks down, like that's on me. You know.
0: Yeah, um, man, that's uh, I find it really fascinating because there's all sorts of stuff. There's the ride shares. There's Task there's, you know, you mentioned DoorDash right. and and there's Uber Eats and all this stuff. And it's like, man, sure, these are creating thousands of, of new jobs, but are these jobs that, and I'm not judging, I'm certainly not judging. And I've actually talked to other call, I talked to another caller who was a Lyft driver who was like, I have figured it out and it's allowing me to leave the life I want to lead. I think that's so cool, but it seems like for a lot of people, yeah. it's like, oh, you're, you're, these are jobs, yes, but they're also just—it's kind of like just dumping out a jigsaw puzzle on a table and being like, "Yeah, figure out how these all fit together into something that makes sense."
1: Right? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, there's there's a potential to make a lot of money there, and it's a pretty sweet gig. Like when it comes down to it, because you're just driving around and going to restaurants, like you know, picking up food. Everybody so far, like I haven't had one rude person that I've interacted with, and I've been doing this off and on since like. September. So
0: you can be um, honest with me. I
1: feel pretty fortunate.
0: You can be honest with me. Yeah. You ever steal a jalapeno popper?
1: (laughs) I have not done that once. Um,
0: You never stuck a fry? I've heard
1: like, (laughs) never. I've never like, I mean, I am so reserved about even like, you know, if it's an open bag, that's not stapled shut. I'm like nervous about that just because I don't want anybody messing with my food you know, so I, I respect that on their end, like, there you go, um, good guy, and and plus, I don't, I don't want to be that guy where, like, you know, they shows up, and they're like, okay, this person obviously ate some of my food, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you like, get a call,
0: you get a call from DoorDash, it's like, uh, we had a report <laughs> right. that they got a mozzarella stick with literal teeth marks in it, you want to explain what's going on?
1: <laughs> right, well, talk to me, yeah, I try to be very, uh, respectful about that
0: do unto others you're you're a quality human that's awful nice of you. no thank you now appreciate that i do my best now talk to me so i'm really fascinated because i feel like this is very much a 2020 thing so you got the union gig and unions can be hard to bust into and unions really protect their members there's a lot of really good strong unions out there so no for sure and you, you like your union
1: oh yeah yeah for sure
0: now talk to me about how does this work as far as dipping in and out of union gigs? Cause like you said, you're working the gig economy and you, you said it, I said it, it can work for people. People can make money, figure it out, but your car breaks down, you're screwed and it's on you. Insurance, it's on you. You can right. hear things about like, you know, some of the rideshare apps where it's like, if, uh if you get in an accident with someone in the car, we cover it, but if it's on your way to pick someone up, it's on you, where you're like, these are not protected jobs, and oh yeah, unions erupted in this country and gained strength because workers need protection. So, I wanna know about that middle ground. Absolutely. Dipping in and out of the union, what's the situation there? How does it work?
1: Um. Well, so I'll start at the beginning with my union experience. So, uh, the union I'm in, I applied to, and I like, let's see, January of last year, I applied and they, they only hire once a year. And so, yeah, but they, they hire a lot when they do. Um, so I think, let's see. So the way they do it is they have a pre-apprenticeship class, which is a two week, uh, basically night class. And you go there, you do the two weeks, and then like you get a score based on your homework, your tests. And then they have an interview at the end of it, and you get a score on your interview as well. So they add those scores all together, and they hire basically like say they're hiring. I think they hired like sixty apprentices, and they, you know, had maybe a hundred to hundred and fifty who came out of the pre-apprenticeship program. They just hire the top sixty scores based on those things then let's see in the fall that's when you have your first apprenticeship classes where you go in to learn more but uh once you take your oath your oath for the union uh and sign your contract which is like you know you're going to work for them you're not gonna use your skills that you learned to go work for a non-union contractor or anything right and um then at that point you talk to the apprenticeship coordinator and he puts you in contact with contractors who need work basically. So it's it's, the contractors go through the union for workers and it's a construction trade. So it's all very as needed. You know, the jobs can, jobs can go two days or they can go six months, uh, depending on what they're building. So,
0: and the senior guys are getting their first pick of jobs, right?
1: Right. Yeah, they put their time in. They've got all their skills. That's a, the journeymen are the guys who have, you know, graduated from the apprenticeship program. So they're the ones who have more job security, and they've also just like built contacts with contractors and stuff. You know, they they don't really have to work as hard to get the jobs. So they just call up the contractors or you know people they know and say, hey, you know, you need me work. Like I got laid off here. I can work for you. It's really touch and go for first year apprentices in this trade especially the winner, the first winner of your apprenticeship is the worst because you're at the bottom of the totem pole and there's like a lot less construction going on. So you kind of have to, you know, fend for yourself as far as that goes. And so that's when I, I left my last job, which was the non-union shops and I got on with them and I worked for a couple months in the the union and then I got laid off and like, I, you know, I was doing DoorDash and GrubHub and I was doing all right and um, wasn't seeking out work as actively as I could have, I guess. So, But, uh, yeah, I, I was kind of counting on the spring for it to really, you know, come back. Oh, that's but scary. A lot of, you don't even uh, think about all this.
0: Been... You don't even think about that. Right. That certain work can only happen certain times a year. And the longer this goes on the more people are just going to be standing in that line hoping that they get the job and that, like you said, when you're at the bottom of the totem pole, when there's more work, you get more stuff. But if everybody hasn't been working, that means everybody on the totem pole is back in line. They're not occupied by the other jobs. Oh, man, this stuff is so scary. This stuff is so scary. It's amazing how it affects everything. Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I mean, I I'll be honest, like I feel a little better prepped for it just because I've been doing my own, you know, working the gig economy, you know, for, for this long anyway. So like I'm not losing a paycheck that I was relying on every week. Right. Um, like a lot of people. Right.
0: <laughs>
1: Although, I mean, I, I really kind of wonder how it's going to affect the gig economy because You know, the people that are ordering delivery right now, like it's been pretty busy in the past week, but like that's because people are home for the first week and like they don't know what to do. They've, at this point, they kind of see it as like they're scared for sure, but they also, they're home and they're kind of enjoying it and they can order delivery, you know, that like, oh, let's, let's order from Grubhub or whatever.
0: Right, let's live a little. Let's make the best of it.
1: But I mean, in a few weeks, when they start running out of money, you know, the people who don't have, because I mean, let's face it, most jobs are not protecting their employees from this. So when those people start running out of money, they're not going to be ordering from Grubhub much. They're going to be cooking at home a lot. And on top of that, a lot of people like teachers and, you know, people who can't go to work, they're now out there delivering too. So it's, a lot fewer deliveries for everybody. Um, but I mean, I'm not too worried about it because I, I mean, I have other means um, like I'm looking into, I'm not going to be specific, but like there are other jobs. Like I, I took a job today that I'll be starting in a couple of weeks. That's a, it's not bad pay. It's comparable to what I make with Grubhub. And it's something that I know, it's like one of the few things right now that I am not worried about job security with it. So, I mean, I'll be all right.
0: That's good to have that.
1: Yeah. Right? I mean, I feel like I'll be all right, but I, I worry about a lot of other people.
0: Yeah, man, me too. And I'm very lucky. Like I have to say, this podcast itself has been this like really amazing foundation for me. And... I don't even need to book guests. I got so lucky that they featured on This American Life, like, and it's this thing that I know, like, okay, I can, I can, I have income, but I tell you, even as a comedian, and that's a cushy life. You're a unionist. You're a union construction worker. I have so much respect for that. There's not a world in which, like, I'm in the Screen Actors Guild, and I'm proud to be in the union, the Writers Guild. Yeah, but, like, absolutely. That's, this is not like the. And it's 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 a point of pride, but we are not exactly the Teamsters, you know, right. a bunch of chubby comedy writers. Like, I got respect. I, you know, I'm not a coal miner. Like, I get it, and I understand it. But, like, being a comedian right now, I had to cancel all my touring for the first half of the year. Right. And it's like, ah, okay, well, at least I have some other income. And then my agent goes, but now you got to remember, every comedian in the back half of the year is going to be out on the road. and. Any city you go to, there's going to be two or three other acts that are selling tickets the night. Where you're like, everybody's lives are just getting crammed into half a year, right? And none of us are allowed to go outside and make money. And how is this? How does you're stretching the whole economy like a rubber band, and it's not going to come back as tight as it used to be? Yeah, so that's not how rubber bands work. Yeah, they degrade over time.
1: Yeah, totally. That's a weird analogy. And so not only is the market going to be saturated with comedians, but it's going to be the audience who hasn't been working for however long you
0: know like yeah it's gonna be trying to sell tickets to people with no disposable income same thing with the restaurants right right trying to sell meals to people who've tapped out their disposable income everything it's it's crazy because you know and because then you got the people you got the people going well i feel like this isn't real and i'm only 35 so if i get sick i hear it's only gonna be like a bad cold and it's like yeah but To stop it, we got to shut down everything. And when you shut down everything, you got to be really smart and careful about how you don't kill it. Because what if all the oxygen goes out? You got to keep the fire going on some level.
1: Yeah, and, and there's, I mean, everything is so interconnected. Like, there are people who support the hospital workers and other aspects of the economy and, you know, it all. Yeah. It's not just, you know, no one job lives in a bubble. Like, everybody is working together to make this country be a country, I think a, lot, a one thing that people don't realize about, you know, staying in and whatnot, you know, people who want to go out and party because they're young and it's like, well, if it was your grandma who was going to be at risk, you know, you would be a lot more, yeah. um, a lot more aware, and a lot more responsible about like, right. not putting her in danger.
0: And it's like, yeah, it might be a cold for you, but then there's going to be so many people in the hospitals And then all the beds are taken up. And then what about everybody who has a heart attack or who gets in a car accident and all the doctors have been up for 72 hours and they don't have any gloves left for your surgery. It's like, Oh God. But you know what? I'm going to give you another compliment. And I know that you said you're working your way up in the union, but I've always felt that at the end of the day, when the times are tough in this country, it's the workers who keep our heads on straight. And it's the workers who, uh, always managed to get this country back in touch with what it is and what it's always been. And I really take a lot of faith in that. Absolutely, And I think that the, uh, I think that it's not bullshit that the, you know, people, I, I lean, I lean progressive. I'm a New York city artist, but I really like Klobuchar. Like people, when I, people say, hear me say that they're like, wait, you're definitely a Bernie guy. And I'm like, I don't know. There's things I like. There's things I don't like. But one thing I do agree with that he said and that Trump kind of floated by on is like the working class has been getting fucked with for a long time, a bunch of decades now where they keep fucking with the working class. And I feel like I know this is a weird pandemic and a disease, but it feels like it's all tying together where it's like, well, the workers are going to save us again. And I have a feeling they're not going to be willing to get pushed around anymore. I just have a feeling that those days have to be done and that people are going to start drawing lines in the sand. Yeah, yeah, and it's for like sure. all the CEOs. And you read more and more about how the economy tipped over because of this so quickly because they were all doing this scam. All the corporations were just buying up their own stock, which builds this house of cards and it fell down. Yeah. And it's like the idea that all these people get to just play these money games because they already have money. But then the hardworking electricians and plumbers and all the people doing what you do in your field they're still going they're still building and when they're not they're driving house to house driving right. off food for you that that bullshit needs to end it, it needs to end
1: yeah yeah it, i agree it, absolutely it has to. um and i mean like to that point you know even i mean the you know the grocery store employees like i mean like there's there's so many yes. people in every field like you know the the fast food workers, the janitors, like everybody you know all labor creates value, and that's i i I hate yes. so much that we undermine that country like there's this attitude of you know you're you're only really important or like you've only achieved for yourself if you're earning a certain amount or if you're in a certain type of position, and it's like well. I mean, some people just want to live their lives, but they also want to, like, they'll work hard, but they also, like, you know, they don't want to be CEO or whatever. Like, they're still creating value and they're still making the world run for people. And that should be respected on every every level, in my opinion.
0: This is what we call in the business a break. We're going to go ahead, stretch out, take a deep breath, be right back. Right. Thanks everybody. Hope you enjoyed that little break we just had. And now let's get back to the phone call.
1: You know, they don't want to be CEO or whatever. Like they're still creating value and they're still making the world run for people. And that should be respected on every, every level, in my opinion.
0: Absolutely. I'm totally with you on that. I tell you, my brother is a very smart and very sweet guy. He lives in Philadelphia and, uh, Years ago, back in 2016, as everything was shifting, it was becoming clear and clear of like, oh wait, the political foundation has shifted, and nobody's quite figured it out yet. My brother was like, "Look, I know a lot of people who have moved to Philly, and they are from Pennsylvania, coal country." Mm-hmm. And he's he goes, "I know I'm friends with a lot of people on here who come from from families with that background," and he goes, "I really don't understand, like why." why do people? it's one of the most dangerous jobs you can have people die of black lung. right there's other like why why would you want to hang on to it when you can you could go work at a walmart you know like there's safer places to work now and coal's not as important as it used to be and i'll never forget somebody left a comment one of his friends goes well i did grow up there and i live in philly now but for a few generations, my families have been Pennsylvania coal miners. And uh, they said, you know, you can go and you can break your back. And a few things happen. One, you don't even need to have a high school diploma, and you might wind up with a pool in your backyard and you get to go out on your deck and watch your kids swim in that pool you paid for. Right. And there's not many jobs where you can be uneducated and make that happen. And they can also, and they and then they said, and at the end of the day. When you are part of something like that, there's pride, and you feel like you're a part of the infrastructure of your country, and you feel like you're doing stuff that everybody else doesn't even understand the effect that you're having. But the coal they burn, you helped get it to them. Yeah, And that's not the same as working in a Walmart, even if you're making the same amount of money. It's just not the same feeling of pride. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: And just like you're saying, I don't think that people's self-worth equals their net worth, and I think we've mistaken that. Even within the course of my lifetime, more and more you see that, where it's all about how much money do you make, and that's the end of the discussion about what a person's worth. It's not, but the idea that you get to work hard and hold your head up with pride, it's like we're still asking a lot of the workers in this country to work as hard as they always have, and yet we're looking the other way and taking away the pride. Oh, yeah. it's going to end poorly. Yes, and I'll everybody. say
1: this about this whole situation is that I think, I mean, it's a very scary situation and it's very uncertain, but I think that there's a good possible outcome, which is at least in one sense is like, finally, we'll stand up and demand healthcare. Um, and I, and uh-huh. I think it's kind of at a, the timing is good because I think this year we might have a chance to stand up and demand healthcare. And, you know, time off and, like, benefits, like, things for situations like this, but that don't necessarily apply to the entire country, will have an understanding of the fact that health problems can really mess your life up and they can be unpredictable and that a lot of people are susceptible to risks that they can't control and that we have the means to to offset those risks. And you know we now we have a chance to do that like that's that's the logical step in my opinion um, without getting too
0: political on yeah you. no I get here's here's the thing that I've learned in my real life and that this show has underlined for me again and again it's like I am so wary of political conversations because they can often go so poorly but I got no problem talking to you one-on-one about I see what all the politicians are spouting and which ones are claiming they're standing up for this and that ideal. And here's how I think it'll actually affect my life as a guy working his way up in a trade and doing the gig economy in between. I want to have that conversation. What I don't want to have is a bunch of people screaming on Facebook and not even – thinking about what a reply might be, because that doesn't get us anywhere. But hearing from you, hey man, I'm in the construction trades, working my way up in the union, things are really slow. The pandemic is making them even slower. Now's the time of year when guys like me are usually getting gigs, but I'm still scrapping it out in the gig economy because of this pandemic. And it's making, that's a situation that's, anybody would hear that right now and go, oh my God, is this caller totally safe? And you gotta think about that. That's when I wanna hear about politics because I wanna know what what areas there are in this world where my life and your life cross over and then you start to see the logical things that actually help everybody. Right. That's when it, you have to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To. I didn't expect this conversation. <laughs> yeah, me neither.
1: Actually, I didn't expect guys. any conversation tonight, but uh, here we are.
0: I love it though. Uh, a guy with the calloused hands of a union worker, uh, in the middle of the night, ranting alongside a, uh, a cotton soft comedian who still has all his opinions on what being a work, a worker's like, but my background, I'll tell you my background, uh, was no joke, hardworking people. So I still get, I'll tell you what, man, cause I've had a couple years where I did good and I'm in the cushy entertainment industry, but I promise you this, my friend, when the, uh, When the rocks start flying, I'm going to be throwing them right next to you. I don't care. (laughs) Right on. I'm on the right side of the line on that one. Dude, you'd love this. So a few years ago, there was a writer's strike. The writer's guild went on strike. Oh yeah. And the writer's guild can be like a good union. Yeah. It was, it it must've been 10 years ago now, 10, 11 years. Maybe even more. Jesus, 13 years ago. I think it was 2007. And I wasn't in the writer's guild yet, but I went and marched in solidarity. And, uh, you know, it's a bunch of it's a bunch of comedy writers, a bunch of people who write for Law and Order, like New York. There's not even, you know, L.A. I think there was many more writers out, and everybody was just there, like eating donuts. And then the Teamsters showed up in solidarity, nice. and the Teamsters joined the line, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, there's about to be fights. <laughs> right? These, this is how you do this. These Teamsters. They're not messing around. They take this serious. Oh yeah, we're all doing bits. These guys aren't messing around. You're from one of those unions, I
1: bet. <clears throat> yeah, not the Teamsters, but uh, I would say it's a pretty tough union. I'll say that.
0: Draw some lines in the sand, and you do oh, not yeah. compromise.
1: I mean, I've seen, I've seen the way other contractors react to the people in my union on the work site, and it's yeah, it's a tough union.
0: I love it. I love it. And these guys gotta know if you're in a town where this union is strong, and you're out here trying to call some non-union guys on the side, your life is gonna have some headaches. Oh, you for sure. Out. I love that.
1: I love it. Yeah, and I mean that's I got you know a buddy that y. strong that that you know strength is what what got us unions and all the every every bit of progress we've made in the, you know, in the labor industry has been from that strength and that that ability and willingness to fight and, you know, taking pride in yourself and, and standing up for, for what you deserve and what you believe in. That's, and I I think a lot of unions today, like a lot of union members might not necessarily see that or understand that because we're in a time of relative, I mean, you know, compared to a hundred years ago, it's, it's a lot different, you know, we're, we're not struggling like they were a hundred years ago or 120 years ago.
0: Um, so yeah. And it's not as visibly fucked up. Like you're not seeing like, like 11 year olds being used to climb into a uh, machinery and textile mills to fix it because they're small enough. Like you're not seeing the visible, like, Oh, I could walk past this window and say, "Oh, that 9-year-old shouldn't be inside <laughs> that grist mill right, right now." Like that's pretty obvious.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's li- now
0: more insidious and hidden the way they try yeah. to mess with you.
1: Yeah, and I mean now it's there are a lot of lot of games made by the unions and they get like they've been getting pushed back, I'd say since like the the 70s. And I mean, you know, even like starting when the the Taft-Hartley laws, I don't I can't remember when that was. I was it was a long time ago, but, uh, you know, there, there have been pushbacks on, on union games and that's just kind of how it is. Like, and I think that's something that people need to realize is that it is a constant struggle. It's not like we're ever going to ever going to get to a point where we've got everything we need and now we can just relax, you know, like the, the boss is always on your back. You've, you've got to constantly fight and stand up for, for what you deserve.
0: Yeah. And that's too, I, one of the things I, because like I said, like, I know that I'm in SAG. I understand that, the, like I said, but at the same time, I do know the situations where that has saved my ass. And I do know the situations where I've seen it save other people's ass. Like, in a way that's not as real as I'm going to fall down a coal mine, but it's right pretty real as far as, you know, I am someone being taken advantage of right now. And, um... The other thing is we all keep our eye on each other. Like When you see the teachers union get broken in Wisconsin a few years ago, mm-hmm. I feel like everybody else in the union looks up and goes, all right, they're really, they're crossing some red lines now. We all gotta watch our own backs. Right. Cause they're really trying to break it. They're really trying to break us and they're not gonna, baby. That's right. Not in yeah, my life. Yeah, we time. don't let them,
1: they can't. I mean, but like we, you know, we can't do it lying down. Like we gotta stand up for it.
0: Yeah. I hope there's, I bet there's people out there listening to this audio right now going, it is time to fucking stand up.
1: <laughs> it is. I think so. Maybe, I think that time is long it overdue. Is...
0: far too long. Yeah. Now let me, have, cause, let me ask you this too, because you seem like a very even-tempered guy. You're saying all sorts of things that you're clearly passionate about, but you don't seem like someone who's prone to like flying into a rage. But as we're talking about it, I feel like maybe I'll just cut to the quick and say... Do you think there's gonna be some sort of class war in our lifetime? Do you think this I don't know. is coming? To...
1: Um, I mean, do you
0: think about it? I oh
1: yeah, I think about it. I I think <laughs> I I kind of feel like we're headed in a direction where it's inevitable. But I well, this would be more political talk. Um, <laughs> but the uh, I feel like the basis of The the fundamentals of capitalism are are such that, like, we can't avoid class war eventually. Whether that's going to happen in my lifetime, I I mean, I would say probably. But, like, I mean, they thought that, I don't know. They've thought that for a long time. Like, I I could see it happening, I'll say that. I think that...
0: I love this conversation. Just <laughs> yeah. so you know, not to interrupt, but you and I calmly talking about how you, as a guy in the in the trenches of the unions, are like, yeah, I've thought about it. Could happen. Maybe not in my lifetime, but it's a coming. In that calm tone of voice, this is like my dream come true. Yeah, it's like my dream to have this conversation.
1: <laughs> well, I and mean, uh, like what's, you. what's your take on it? Do you see any kind of class revolt in the near future?
0: Well, here's the thing I see is I'm a little confused or maybe up until now I've been a little naive, but there's a lot of things that happen now where the justification is that money's coming in because of it, whether that means the economy is strong. So we're willing to ignore other things happening or seeing people in my day-to-day life where they start to make money and they really change or seeing so many people where the fact that they aren't making money to the degree they want to is causing them such massive mental stress. And I feel like the past two or three years, more than I ever have in my 40 years on earth, I keep finding myself thinking, when did we just really decide that money is the end all be all? When did we decide that? Because I feel like there used to be other aspects to the American dream. Of course, there was always an aspect of like, hey, this is a country where your grandparents can be an immigrant and then your parents do a little better than they did and then you do a little bit. That's my story. That's my actual story. And I know that part of that is about finance and property and all that. But there also used to be a lot of sides of it that were about feeling like part of a greater whole. And patriotism not being weaponized, being celebrated. And communities taking care of each other and small town values. And it seems like all those sides of things have just been swallowed up by the idea of money is the beginning and end of most conversations. And it's the justification for a lot of things that seem really wrong to me. And I don't think capitalism is wrong. But I do think that, you know, when you got people who have three or four jobs, none of which give them insurance, none of them, none mm-hmm. of them that have any sort of protections to them, and those people are fighting to feed their families. And those are real stories that I see <clears> and I hear. And then you hear something like Amazon and Apple don't pay taxes. Right. And you're like, that just—I just I just don't understand a world in which anyone can justify that. I just don't understand how since they make the most money, they don't have to pay into the kitty. Like it just, something at that point is broken as far as this obsession with financial success. That's where I stand on it. And yeah. I just don't see how you're not going to eventually push people too far. I just don't see how. Yeah, I mean, gonna like
1: happen. the thing is, I, like again, I, I don't want to become too divisive, but I, I would say that those are reasonable outcomes of ways so, uh, capitalism works um, because it's, you know, it's a simple process of excess value collected that is created by labor and, like, put into the hands of the owners of the means of production and, like, to progress they have to accrue more and more of it to the point where they're cutting your health benefits and they're you know, you're getting kicked out of your home, even though you're working 60 hours a week, um, you have no choice and no say in what is produced. Um, But I mean, as far as people standing up for themselves, I guess like, I don't know, sometimes I kind of feel like it's a race before like, you know, as long as the ruling class can pay the police to protect them, then um, basically it will get to the point until like, there's nobody left but the police and then they, you know, can finally cancel their pensions to save a little bit more money. And like at that point, yeah. they'll have robots to fight the police for them.
0: That's feeling real to me. A couple of years ago, that would have been a joke. I'd be like, oh, and then they have the robots in the sky to fight the police. It's like, oh no, they have them. I've seen them. They have videos of these weird robots that look like scary dogs and they walk on right. their legs. And when you see the video, everyone who's ever seen those videos is like, has an instinctive reaction of like, what the fuck is going on? And I can't pay for one of them dog robots. (laughs) Where's paying for them dog robots doesn't have good intentions. You don't build one of those scary ass dog robots because you like dogs or you like robots. You're up to no good making those dog robots. You're the ones I mean, right? And I mean- You're right, someday that's gonna happen. They're gonna break every union over their back. They're gonna finally break the police union and then everybody's going to turn around and they're going to there's going to be an army of those dog robots walking on their hind legs with lasers it's going to look like the phantom menace with all those weird droids and we're all going to go oh no what did we do yeah and jeff bezos is going to say i am your god now that's it and let's hit pause right there Every once in a while, we just gotta pause, take a deep breath, clear our mind, brace ourselves for the end of the phone call. That time is now. We'll be right back. Break this one. That's the last one. So buckle up, because we're about to finish strong. And we're all gonna go. Oh no! What did we do? Yeah. And Jeff Bezos is going to say, "I am your god." Now. And at that point, That's those it. those
1: will be made by machinists who are getting minimum wage. And then (laughs) once they've created the robots, they're fired and they have to move out of their houses. but they can't fight the dog robots. I have,
0: I've been working on a joke, but it's a little too convoluted and it's a little too real to get a laugh where the premise is like, I have seen small businesses in my neighborhood disappear. And I also see so many Amazon packages in my lobby. And I'm like, Amazon is clearly shutting down small businesses, but it's also growing so fast. Where it's like, our only option at some point is just gonna be we all work for Amazon. And that we give our money to Amazon so they can send us products, and then the guy down Mm -hmm. the hall from me is driving that truck, and I gotta go pack the truck for my other neighbor to drive the truck down to the where we all where it's just the old company store where Amazon is a global company right. store.
1: Yeah, and I mean that old
0: that old idea.
1: You know, it's it's already got state sponsorship. It's it's ingrained in our nation. Just, um, and I mean that's that's a successful um, capitalist. You know, that's like they're doing. That is like what success looks like under capitalism.
0: That. Yeah. We idolize that. We idolize that. Right. We teach, and I mean, that's that. Where we teach that as the end goal. And I mean... I just Googled, is Amazon unionized? And guess what the answer is? Oh,
1: absolutely not.
0: There are no unionized Amazon warehouse employees in the United States.
1: None. They're very anti union. None. Oh, these guys. And that's I mean, you know, Jeff Bezos is worth more than he he's worth about what he like owes in taxes and my opinion. Yeah, the software is great, but he himself doesn't create any actual value. He's got you know, people he's got workers who create the value for him. Um you know, by making sure your package can get there a day after you order it, or whatever. Like, but I mean, he like does that man deserve to be a billionaire? Has he provided a valuable enough good and/or service to basically like that amount of power or that amount of money is basically gives you more power than anyone on earth?
0: <clears throat> yeah.
1: And has he it's earned very, that? I don't it's know. It's very,
0: very sick. It's reflective of some sort of a, a real sickness that's come over us lately. And I hope we scale it back. I hope we scale it back. Cause I don't see why that I don't see why that guy gets all those billions, like you say. And more power to him if he can earn it. But not in a world where none of his workers are allowed to unionize. And not in a right. world where hardworking guys like you Or, well, in a in a way that is scary. Where you doing the gig economy thing? while there's a fucking pandemic. Like it doesn't add up. You can't. You can't. The thing about billionaires
1: though is that like nobody can individually earn a billion dollars. You can. No. He has people who earned that money, and he's figured out how to take most of it from them. And that's that's the lopsided uh, nature of capitalism.
0: And he uses our infrastructure too. Those oh, trucks yeah. drive on the roads we paid for and that we, and that we paved. Somebody paved those roads and somebody paid for those. Right. All the bridges those trucks go over, all the tunnels they go through. These are built by people. You think anybody's ever built a tunnel and felt safe about it? You think anybody's ever built a massive bridge and felt like, uh, like there's no risk to right. it? Of course not. Pay, pay your taxes and protect those people. It's logic. It's, ki- it's not even logic, it's basic decency, it's kindness. Protect the people putting their necks out to do the hard
1: stuff. Right, or at least like make it to Appreciate where they don't have them. to work during a pandemic.
0: Yeah, yeah, make it where they can, you know, where maybe the first headlines don't need to be about um, how to protect banks. Maybe not right now. Right. Maybe not right now. Let's be a little classier with the order the headlines come out in. So, who knows? I like you, my steely voiced friend. You are a calm, cool, and collected person with a strong set of ideals <laughs> and a clear ability to, to explain. Would them. you, would you I really appreciate it? Consider my voice steely? I would say that you're very even tempered and very measured, and your voice has an edge to it. And I would say, yes, yeah, steely. Okay. I would say there is a. A, and a, a Clint Eastwood esque steeliness.
1: <laughs> I'll take it.
0: Like I could see, I could see you old school style drinking at a bar down by the docks, quietly getting everybody else riled up about <laughs> how this world is working and how how it might need to change yeah. soon.
1: And I guess uh, well, uh, one of the predicaments in my trade is that it's very. The, the guys I work with, I mean, you know, very roughneck types, but very, uh, I'd say they probably vote Democratic most of the time because Democrats tend to support unions more, but they're, they tend to be more right wing type, you know, at least like socially and politically.
0: I I grew up with the exact, I think you're just describing Irish Catholics.
1: yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> like, that's who I grew up with Like, we're going to vote Democratic because we like the unions right. but uh, socially if you're at the bar you might hear a thing that makes you cringe socially from the same oh
1: standpoint. absolutely yeah and I've heard some pretty problematic things on the work site that I just kind of you know, try not to react to
0: yeah worksites are not always bastions of progressivism
1: right am actually, on the subject, I'm actually, well, I was raised an Irish Catholic myself.
0: Yeah, I had a feeling, man. I had a feeling. I've heard some, I've heard my, uh, I've had some family members who, who uh have some similar opinions to you, Yeah, for sure. When it comes to work and when it comes to wealth and how they intersect. Yeah, yeah my
1: grandpa was a union laborer. And I have a few uncles who are a union. So maybe that's where all this, this talk comes from. I guess I, I would still characterize them as Democrats, at best, as far as the scale from left to right but...
0: goes. Yeah. But that means something too, right? Oh. They protect your grandpa, they protect your dad. Right. And it makes it makes you want to fight tooth and nail to make sure that they don't yeah, break it. Yeah, anything. for sure. I like this combo. I got a friend who's a longshoreman, and I think I'm more jealous of him than I am. Oh, nice. I feel like that's just the coolest, most old school yeah. life
1: there is. Dangerous too, right?
0: Working down on the docks. I, th- I think many comedians, because I, when I think about being a comedian, I think very often about how like, you know, sometimes sometimes I'll get these gigs and then I'll look at the ticket prices and I'll be like, I hate that. Why is it high? First of all, I don't I don't think I can I don't think I'm worth that. But also, I don't only I don't want a room full of people who can afford a $30 ticket, $28 ticket. Cuz I feel like comedians should exist to make people at the end of I always felt like that's why I loved late night TV, that's why I love Letterman. I'm like, in my mind, it's like somebody goes and works, and they have a really hard day, and their boss is being a shit, and then they come home, and they hang out with their families, and they're exhausted, and right before bed, they get to see some comedian make fun of the fucking politicians. Like, to me, that's what comedy's for, It's to make people laugh when people have hard days. And that feels noble to me.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's stuff like that that makes so, everything else worth it. Like that's...
0: Yeah. So that's what I feel like the good side of my industry is is making people like, people like you. The electricians at the bottom of the totem pole, the plumbers, the construction guys, all of them. Like that's who I want to make laugh in my mind. But I know mostly it's like blue haired hipster college kids <laughs> in reality. That's most of who actually my fan base historically has been. But the ideals of it, I think, are, try to take care of the right, I think that's how comedians came to exist. I've always said that, that there's people out there who can do such hard work and face down such tough things. And that many, like back in like the caveman days, there were the guys who went out and did the hunting or the guys who went out and they built the shelters or the guys who like, fought off the saber tooth tigers when they showed up and then there were the guys like me who at the end of the day would like gather around the fire and be like hey i'm gonna uh i'm gonna crack some jokes here and then maybe you uh you guys can share some of the meat with me i feel like that's how comedians came to exist as a thing it's like i'm weak and small but if i could make you laugh i'd love to have some of your leftovers like i feel like that's yeah but that's. i mean
1: like Comedy, though, comes from a, a very real t- place of, like, I, I feel like every great comedian has, you know, suffered. Like, that, that's where, like, the common, we don't tend to find humor from someone who just sat around all their life and been comfortable, like, and, I mean, I, I know that you've definitely had your share of hardships, like, it's not necessarily, yeah, like...
0: I've had a pretty good life. What's that? I've had a pretty
1: good life. Yeah, All but you've contained. also had rough times in that life. Like, I mean... Yeah, I lost my mind a couple of times, right. but that's okay. That's, <laughs> my God, like, that's... I would I would rather deal with physical hardship than, you know, mental and emotional. Like, the physical hardship you can walk away from easily. Uh, mental and emotional, <laughs> it's a little bit tougher. But, I mean, that's, that's where that... That's like the manure that the... <laughs> the flower of comedy grows out of like, and that's, I think that's why like there are so many comedians who, who have really messed up stories that they can tell you. Like, um, cause a lot of them have been down, like really down, like in ways that people may not be able to relate to, but like, that doesn't mean that, the, that it's not real. Like your experience yeah, might be different. And that some my... people
0: hear it and they go, And people go, oh, you're saying it out loud. I've always thought that. Right. I think that's cool. I had a friend from college who's like a labor organizer now, and I'm really jealous. I keep keep saying I'm going to quit comedy next year. I don't know if I am. I just say when I get frustrated. And then people are like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'd love to be a labor organizer. But I don't even know what that is or how to do it
1: really. uh, What capacity does your friend work in?
0: My friend, it's very strange. Um, it's a small world. She was a girl I went to college with, and she was so cool. She was like a cool punk rock girl, dated a friend of mine. And we used to party at the same house with our punk friends. And then uh, now she flips She flips a lot of uh, things over to being part of the WGA, the writer's game. Oh, nice. But it's cool because it's a lot of like online, uh, a lot of these publications where they're, they'll hire people and it's like, you know, online magazine writing or online news reporting where it falls into this hazy area where you're like, well, what union would represent it? And she's one of the people who's like, fuck that. We got this. And then she flips all these things. She flips all these businesses. It's cool to see. She posts about it. And I'm always like, oh, that's the coolest thing. I wish I was doing something that good for the world. I wish I was. And I do some stuff that's pretty good, but that's really good. That impresses me. That is awesome. I'd like
1: to do that. Yeah. But I mean, like, Yeah. also, like, let it be said that you definitely pr- provide something very valuable. You just do it yeah. in a different
0: way. You know, like, I do my best, so do you. So do we all. That's nice of you to say. But we all do. We all got something to offer. And then some people have the guts to actually go out and offer it up. And it's always always cool to see. I like that you called up and said, I don't know what I want to talk about. And for 56 minutes, we've been talking about... uh the importance of unions and a potential class war. <laughs> oh my God, Has that's it been a pretty cool, cool way for that to turn out. Yeah, we got four minutes. Oh left. my God, time really flies when you're talking yeah, about seriously. the working man.
1: Well, and I, I've heard people say it on your podcast, but I was just like, wow, I had no idea. Like it's been that long. I, I would have thought it'd been like
0: thirty minutes, maybe. Nah, it flew by. Yeah. Flew by. Now, can I tell you something as we got four minutes left? Yeah. And I, I'm not trying to freak you out, but just to make sure you're on top of it. Now, I'm not making a joke here. There's been a bunch of times where it sounds like you've coughed. We're in the middle of a pandemic. You're going door to door, meeting lots of people. And I just want to make sure. I don't know if you've been clearing your throat or coughing, but the neurotic part of me that cares about you <laughs> as a human just wants to make sure you aren't in denial about that. Yeah. Are you aware of this?
1: I'm aware. I, so I've been smoking cigarettes. Uh, uh, and yeah, I've, yeah, I mean, I, I've it. been feeling great. And like, I've, I've been drinking a little bit. And when I drink, I smoke cigarettes. So like, I think that's that's what you've been hearing. Like, I, I promise you, I feel good. I, I haven't been coughing. It hasn't been an issue up until like while I was on the phone, you know, like clearing my throat, um, I have I've been looking and like checking on symptoms to make sure that I'm not exhibiting anything. Yeah, I've been pretty You're safe good. about everything. So
0: now, uh, what were you drinking tonight?
1: Tonight I was drinking Guinness.
0: Man. That's the person I always wished I could be, drinking a Guinness, smoking cigarettes, talking about <laughs> the unions. That's not me. I'm drinking. I'm drinking diet ginger ale, huh? eating uh, chocolate covered almonds, <laughs> and reading comic books. That's me. Different type of humor. Wait, what kind of comic? I book? A lot of respect for you. I'm rereading Marvels right now you ever read not marvel's? much the only
1: uh, comics i got into were the big like you know the famous graphic novels like Watchmen, Vieper vendetta preacher sure. those
0: are like pretty legit you'd love this so marvels is a graphic novel it's amazing it retells the entire early phases of the marvel universe through the perspective of just a regular dude just this guy who's a photographer who starts grappling with the idea of, man, there's these superheroes. These are like gods. In what way do I matter in this world? And it's a really cool take on superheroes you've heard of. No, nice. It's great. It's from the 90s. Wait, is this Marvel graphic novels? Yeah, it's called Marvels, like Marvel with an S on the end.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'll need to check that out
0: then. You're going to love it. I promise you, you're going to love it. Right on. 58, 58, 58 minutes, minutes. of oh, man. Union Politics in Class 4 <laughs> and then a final minute of comic book recommendations. Yeah, I assure this you been I didn't a mean to come
1: true. talk about any of that for that long, if at all. Here I we are. love
0: it. I love it because here's why I love it. Because I always sit around and think about what people are feeling out there people in your exact situation you came on here and you said it and that's fascinating to me it's fascinating this gig economy this capitalism the way it's mixing together the way we got to look out for ourselves and each other fascinating and i thank you for sharing it right on well
1: i thank you for having me oh by the way one thing pleasure i always thought that i would say to you if i if i ever got on with you I first saw you on Cutman Films YouTube way back in the day. Uh, This is the deepest of deep cuts.
0: (laughs) What are you talking about?
1: The most awkward boy in the world. I wrote those. You wrote those.
0: Oh shit! I I wrote all those. Put my buddy Zach in them.
1: And I remember that's. I remember the episode where you did the YouTube War with Gabe from the office, which is what I call him. That so I can't remember his name, even though I. Listen to My him. buddy
0: Zach, yeah, we started a little group. We were making films together. Yeah, Me and him lost touch. It's a shame. We were uh, best friends. We were connected at the hip, and now we've lost touch, and it's a bummer. Yeah.
1: I, I, bums me. I was actually listening to Improv for Humans tonight, and he was on. It was like an old episode, but yeah. But I just want to say, nice. like, I love those videos. Nice. I love your uh, YouTube wars. I thought it was hilarious.
0: That's Old school. That's when no one knew who I was and no one gave a yeah. shit. You've had my back for a while. Thank you. You
1: guys had like two hundred subscribers when I was watching those videos, and I I thought it was the most <laughs> brilliant unsung <laughs> YouTube series out there.
0: This is blowing my mind. Thank you for having my back from way back in the beginning when no one gave a shit. Super nice of
1: you. Well, I mean, it was good content, like. <laughs> <laughs> there
0: is all right, my friend. stay safe out there. Will do. Stay, str- stay strong out there. Which side are you on? There is power in a union. Absolutely. All the good union songs. <laughs> thank you so much to our caller. Stay strong out there. Keep doing what you got to do. And uh, thank you for all the insight. Thank you to Jared O'Connell. Thank you to Anita Flores. Thank you to Shell Shag. Thank you to everybody who listens. If you like the show, Apple Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. It really helps when you do. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you next time.